Well, good morning again. Uh, we've got a daunting task ahead of us as a church. And I'm not talking about the cultural headwinds that we're facing, you know, as Jesus followers. And I'm not talking right now about um, the unprecedented search for staff that we've got going on in three areas right now. And I'm not talking about the facility questions that someday we're going to have to figure out as a, as a church. And I'm not even talking about how do we all not get hypothermia this summer. Um, they're doing the best they can with temperature to, uh, to have it be not to- too cold for us, but cool enough for the people who are running on the track. So they're doing the best they can. Um, the daunting task that I'm talking about right now is how do we approach the book of Daniel? We're starting a brand new series today. And we're going to press into the book of Daniel. And if you're not familiar with the scriptures, I just want to walk through a couple reasons why this is a daunting task to take on a book like this. There's a place to write some of these things down in your notes. And one of the things I want to bring to light here, if you're not familiar again with the book of of Daniel, um, what makes it a daunting book? Well, English translations, when it comes to Daniel, draw from three ancient languages. And so that's a really tough thing and a very different culture. Um, anytime you're trying to translate the Bible from its original language into English, you've got you a challenge. In the New Testament, you have the challenge of trying to translate from ancient Greek into English, and that's a challenge. The Old Testament um, is even more challenging because you've got two reliable sources. You've got a Hebrew reliable source, and you've got a Greek reliable source, and so you've got that challenge. Well, Daniel is especially challenging because you have this section in Daniel that starts in chapter 2, verse 4, continues through chapter 7, verse 8, that was written in Aramaic. And so just to get the thing into English to wrestle with it, you've got a challenge. And then you certainly have this cultural challenge where it was a very different culture than the one that we live in today. And it's, Scripture is so much richer when you know the original context. Now, Daniel's a really challenging book, and one of the things that we try to do from time to time in this church, actually pretty regularly, is recommend different resources that are helpful. And there's three that come up a lot when we recommend resources. One of them is what we call the ESV Study Bible. I've got a copy of that up here. We've got the NIV Study Bible. I've got a copy of that up here. And then we have this one called the IVP, Bible Background Commentary. These are three sources that if you were going to build a, a small library, of resources, whereas you come across questions and, and trying to figure out culture and all that kind of stuff, where would you even start? These would be good ones. And one of the reasons we recommend more than one is because a, some of the stuff is more hard facts, but some of the stuff also, especially the commentary, it's, it's folks' best opinions, and it's good to have more than one resource. Well, the reason I'm highlighting them independently, and we also have them written down here, is, is because we really think it's helpful to be able to dig in deeper. And I was, uh, I was, I had to get my oil changed today, or not today, I had to get my oil changed this week, and I was sitting in the oil change room, and they often have a TV playing, you know, and during the day, it was Price is Right was playing in the background. And I'm like, let's have a little fun with this, we're not going to do a Price is Right thing. Someone in the front row last week, or last service was like, woohoo, Price is Right! I'm like, sorry, I, I should have came up with some, like, really brilliant way. But someone's going to go home with this resource library today. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to emphasize This is great stuff. There's so many great resources out there. So it's a real simple test here. I'm going to kind of do it old school youth ministry. First hand I see with the correct answer. Ready? Here's the question. What book of the Bible comes right before Daniel? Oh, Daniel. Ezekiel. Sweet. There you go. Congratulations. That wasn't a plan either. There we go. Daniel takes it up. There you go. 
Thanks. Yeah, thank you. That's right. Now you're all set. You can lead the rest of the message from here on out, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And again, why we do this, we, the, there are so many great resources out there. So many fantastic resources out there. All right. And they're helpful for things like number one. And also number two, what makes Daniel a daunting book? The first and second halves of the book fall into two different literary genres. And so you almost need resources like this to kind of figure this out. Now, the, the Bible, if you read almost any book of the Bible, there's going to be different things woven in and out. Poetry, narrative, and all this. Well, Daniel is, is really something because you've got the first six chapters that are pretty much six self-contained stories. And then the second six chapters are visions and prophecies and these things that will really stretch you. And as is the case with a lot of biblical prophecy, some of the prophecies appear to have already taken place. Some appear to have a future time when they'll take place. And like a lot of prophecy, it's a both and. And so resources like that will be helpful to get some thoughts along those lines. All right, here's another thing that makes Daniel a daunting book. The narrative, meaning the story part of it, takes us through multiple kings and kingdoms. So we're not just kind of talking about one little period of history where it's one king, one kingdom, one culture. Daniel takes us through multiple kings, multiple kingdoms. It is as epic a book as you're going to find. Daniel is the constant, one of the constants, as kings and kingdoms come and go throughout the book. The king of Judah is conquered before we even get to verse 3 of chapter 1. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is king through chapter 4. Belshazzar is king in chapter 5. And then there's a sudden regime change as chapter 5 becomes chapter 6. And Darius the Mede is then in power in chapter 6 when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. And one of the things that's happening even as these kings and kingdoms are coming and going is the book of Daniel's making the point that it's God who raises up and takes out kings. And so let me show you here this. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Daniel chapter 2, starting with verse 20. I want to let you know, too, uh, each and every week, we always keep Bibles at our entrances. And I see that some of them are gone. But there's a a couple left. Um, We would love for you to take one home each and every week. We have them there as a gift for you. So please take them home and and read them. And they're yours to keep. All right. uh, Let's take a look at this. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Here we find... Um, The scripture is talking to this theme that it's God who removes kings and sets up kings. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, in whom belong wisdom and might, or to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. So here again, we see that it's God who rises and sets up kings and, and, uh, and removes them as well. All right, moving on to number four. What's another thing that makes Daniel such a daunting book? The content is iconic. This is iconic content here in Daniel. Daniel is the source document for some of Scripture's most well-known stories. We're talking flannel graph staples here. Anyone know what a flanograph is? Some of you remember? Flanograph. Let's bring, hashtag, bring back the flanograph. How about VeggieTales? Some of you heard VeggieTales before? Okay, Daniel makes some appearances in, in the VeggieTales. All right, so there's, there, it's, it's iconic stuff. In chapter 1, you've got a young man named Daniel, and he's carried off to, to captivity where he proposes a test 
that, that shows and demonstrates his integrity, and it also glorifies his God. And next week, we're going to ch- press into chapter 2, where we find this, this account, this iconic account of, of the God of Daniel interpreting a dream that no one else can. And then chapter 3, you've got Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace. And some of you may have heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, chapter 6. So all of these are in there. And if these stories aren't iconic enough, you also have icons that also emerge that aren't just the stories. Like Babylon. Babylon is more than the, the, the city-state that we see in the book. It's become iconic for material wealth, debauchery, temptation, and pride. And maybe you've heard some different phrases in our culture. The writings on the wall. How many have heard that phrase before? Writings on the wall. How about the one, you have been found, you've been weighed and found wanting. You ever heard that one? Where do they come from? Daniel. They come from a ghostly hand or a ghostly fingers anyway that, that traced these phrases on the wall. All right, um, let's move on. Number five. And number five is not the number five that you have in your notes. Um, number five is this. Uh, the themes are innumerable. That's just kind of a little funness there that I missed up on a number on this one where the themes are innumerable. So maybe I subconsciously I was taking that literally or something like that. All right. So there's a whole, well, there's a sermon right there, isn't it? Taking the Bible literally at the wrong time. Okay. No. All right. Here we go. Um, there are a lot of themes that are woven through the book of Daniel. A lot of themes. We'll do the best we can to hit on a number, no pun intended, of them in this, this series. Um, this morning, we already touched on this theme that God is sovereign over kings and kingdoms. He removes kings and sets them up. If you want to read ahead to next week, next week we're going to press into chapter 2. We're going to really dig into chapter 2. And since it's Independence Day weekend, we'll have the kids in with us. We're going to bring back, a, well, we're going to write a spontaneous melodrama based on chapter 2. So we have some fun from time to time with the kids. So we'll have a spontaneous melodrama. No superheroes in this one. We're, we're putting the superheroes to rest for a while. But anyway, so that's, that's next week. We're going to press into it. And the theme, one of the themes that we see in chapter 2 and throughout Daniel is that God is a giver of visions and dreams. He's a giver of visions and dreams. In fact, one of the ways he validates his people is through the supernatural working of dreams and, and, and visions. Here's another theme that we're going we're gonna to cover. Uh, Brandon's going to take this one on in a couple weeks. Daniel and his friends are models of courage and integrity in the midst of a culture that was working really hard to turn them into something else. And there's some great transferable principles there. That's a theme in Daniel, one that we're going to press into. And in this series, we're going to look at the sobering theme of how God humbles the proud and raises up the humble. We're going to look at some of the prophecies. And one of the things as a person who went through a real skeptical to Christianity phase in my life, one of the things that I find fascinating about Daniel is there are some scholars who say that Daniel's, some of Daniel's prophecies were way too accurate to have been written when they were written. They said there's no way that Daniel could have been written when it was written because some of these prophecies are just too accurate. So we'll take a look at some of that. That's a lot of fun. So Daniel contains all of these innumerable um, themes and more. All right, so now let's move on to number six, which is really number five. No, on your notes, whatever. You'll figure it out. Here we go, Daniel. What makes Daniel such a daunting book? Because the outlines are impossible to try to, try to write. Here we go. Daniel is one of the most influential books of all time. Um, I typed in Daniel Bible study on Amazon last night just to see what would happen. 
page after page. There's a whole lot of Bible studies coming out of this one book. And it's interesting how varied they are. Some of them are all about prophecy. Some of them are all about the character study of Daniel. Some of them are, are some of the history and the context and, and all these things. There are so many directions you can go off of from this one book. It's influenced so many people and studies and all of these types of things. And then I typed in Daniel and Bible and Google. And I had 38 million hits. Now, some of them might be some guy named Daniel reading his new Bibles that he just got here today. Um, but, <laughs> but, but a lot of them have to do with just how influential this book is. It, it, it's, it's literally shaped billions of lives across every continent, every time period. It's an it's, it's incredible book. And so whether or not you believe that it's inspired word of God, just as a citizen of the world, I'd encourage you to take a look at this. This book has shaped um, so many lives. And one of the things I want to take a little bit of time of right now is look at how even in the Bible itself, we see how of all these books of the Bible, Daniel was influential among the influential books. If you're not familiar with the construction of the Bible, the Bible was not just um, created as one book. It's a collection of multiple books through multiple generations, multiple authors that were all validated throughout history. And so of these books, Daniel is a book that is especially influential in the rest of them. Let me show you an example of what I mean. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Mark chapter 14. Again, you can either get them at the exits or check with Dan because he's got two of them now. So here we go. Um, but Matthew cha- or Mark, Mark chapter 14, verses 60 through 64. Now, in this passage, um, what's happening here is people were looking, uh, people in authority, a lot of these religious leaders and non-religious leaders, they wanted to get Jesus. They wanted to find a reason that they could arrest him and get him out of what he was doing. In fact, most of them wanted him killed. And so they were looking for a way, an excuse, a trap, some way to get Jesus into a situation where they could arrest him and then order his execution. And so what's going on right now, they, they had him arrested. They had him in this mockery of a trial, and they're looking for some sort of charge that they can have that'll stick, and none of them are. They're throwing all these things out there, and none of these charges are sticking until the high priest says this, and it's related to Daniel. Let's take a look. The high priest, in the midst of all this trial here, he stood up and he asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent. Jesus remained silent and made no answer. And again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said to him, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest said, we got you. Got you. And in, I'm reading into this text right now. When the high priest tore his robe, I think that was just for show. I think inside he was going, got you. And then he tore his robe and said, aha, what further witness do we need? We got you. You've heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? Trial people. And they all condemned him as deserving death. Well, have you ever asked yourself, why? What? What? Of all the things Jesus said, of all the things Jesus did, this is, this is it? This is what you got? Jesus calls himself the son of man and you're ripping robes and all this? And everyone says, this is it? Jesus called himself the son of man a lot. 
Why now? Why are they going crazy now? In fact, one of the scholars I looked at said that Jesus called himself the son of man more than any other title that he used. I haven't counted them, so I'm just taking this guy's word for it, but I remember he's used it a lot. So why did the courtroom erupt into chaos this time? Why not, when they heard him say it before, why didn't they just like grab him then? Because the title son of man most often refers just to humanity. I'm the son of a man. I'm, I'm a human. I was born of a human. That's what the title normally means. Why do I say that? Well, look at the book of Ezekiel, which happens to come right before the book of Daniel, right? In the book of Ezekiel, the, the term son of man is used for Ezekiel 90 times. Why is there no robe tearing? Why is there no, let's kill this guy. He's claiming to be God. What was it about this time when Jesus used the term son of man? What was it about this time that they said, we got you. This is blasphemy. This time, Jesus was quoting the most influential book of all, one of the most influential books of all time. He was quoting Daniel. And the high priest knew it, and everyone else in that room knew it because they knew Daniel. And if they didn't know it, they were faking it, right? This was an influential book. Let me show you what Jesus was quoting. If we could, if we could put what Jesus said in Matthew 14 on the screen at the same time as Daniel 7, verse 13. Here's what Jesus... I like the split screen. Love it. You guys are pros. You guys are pros. I can't even number outlines. And these guys, you guys are the best. All right. So split screen here through the wonders of modern technology. All right. Jesus says, I am, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power coming with the clouds of heaven. When Jesus said those words, they knew Daniel. It's an influential book. They knew it. Daniel 7, 13 says, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. This is huge because Dan, here Jesus is not when he's quoting this. He's not just setting himself up as the son of a human being. In this context, context of Daniel 7, Jesus is saying, I'm this son of man. The one that reports directly to the ancient of days. Here's, um, and is coming with the clouds of heaven and all these things. And we're going to go on with verse 14. We'll show you that in just a second because this son of man is a significant figure. But before we move on to 14, I want to show you something that I uncovered this week in my research. And it was one of those um, uh, resources I just gave away. In ancient Canaanite mythology, there's a figure named El. El, he's a father figure. Listen to this. He's a father figure God of ancient days. That sound like ancient of days? You see any of that kind of stuff in, in Daniel, right? And get this. El's son, Baal, was a rider on the clouds. So you've got an ancient of days, father figure God, with a son who's a rider on the clouds. And it gets even more interesting than this. There was a battle. And after the battle, Baal was declared king and was granted an everlasting dominion. Remember the phrase, everlasting dominion. So keep all this in mind as we look into Daniel a little bit more. We read 13, rider on the clouds, son of man, all that type of thing. Here's what it says in the very next verse. And to the son of man, this son of man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not 
pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. What was Jesus doing when he referred to himself as the son of man? This son of man. He was linking himself up with Daniel 7. And in Daniel 7, God didn't just establish the kingdom of the son of man above all earthly kingdoms. God also took that direct shot at Baal and implies that this son of man, he's not just Lord over earthly kingdoms. This son of man is Lord over all kingdoms, spiritual kingdoms. And I'm just going to want a quick side note here for just a second. Daniel has all kinds of references to the natural and the supernatural doing a lot of this. There's um, very few angels that are mentioned by name in the scriptures. You've got the fallen angel, Lucifer, Satan, and then you've only got two others that I can think of that are mentioned by name, Gabriel and Michael. Guess which two are mentioned by name in Daniel? Gabriel's mentioned in chapters 8 and 9, I believe, Michael in chapter 10. All right, back to the main point. Daniel is one of the most influential books of all time. How influential? It was quoted at Jesus' trial. It was the charge that they finally were able to say, we got you. Daniel was influential then, and Daniel is still influencing people all around the world today. So all this to say with my little six entry points as we start this series, how do you approach a book like this when it's got so much? I was praying about that very question, and the image of a family vacation came to mind. This idea came to me in a McDonald's parking lot of all places here. Um, Here's how I think we should approach Daniel as a church family, or at least a, a metaphor for it. Imagine you're taking a family vacation to New York City, all right? So just picture that in your head, and as extended a family as you can imagine. You're taking them to New York City. Now, imagine that some have been there once for a real short time, all right? Imagine that some have been there for a real extended stay. And then imagine that some have never been there before. If you're new to our church, this is how we approach almost every teaching series we have. Because we have some people who have dug into the scriptures. We have some people that are familiar with them. And we have some people that are new to the Bible altogether. And so whether it's Daniel or any book, one of the things we try to do the best we can is to say, let's try to make sure that we're, we're looking out for everyone. That we're going to try as best we can to say, Holy Spirit, reveal some fresh and new things. Whether it's a challenge or some new information to folks who've been there forever. Let's, 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 let's help those who've never been in the Bible before to, to get a framework. And then for those in, in between. We do the best we can to try to, try to do all, all of those pieces. Um, there's also this, another issue that comes to mind. Let's go back to our metaphor of, of New York City. One of the things that you're going to see if you try to take your extended family to New York... There's going to be different points of interest for different people, right? That's another thing you're going to find. New York is an amazing city. Some might want to spend extra time checking out the fashion scene. That would not be me, but my wife would just love that. Maybe entertainment is your thing, or art is your thing, or business, Wall Street. Maybe some of you would be interested in, in the landmarks, or history, or architecture. Some people might be fascinated by the diversity, or the government, or issues related to... Uh, nobody would be interested in the government. <laughs> Who might get? No, there are people. Right, or issues related to poverty or education or justice. New York City has something for sports enthusiasts and food enthusiasts and some of the best people watching in the world is New York. Oh, some of the stuff, you might need to do a little of that. 
Well, in our family tour, here's one of my hopes for everyone, that you're going to find some points of interest that really get you wanting to dig deeper. And there are some great resources. We gave some away, but again, you can find great resources. If you want to go deeper into prophecy, there's some great resources for that. If you want to go deeper into the character studies, great resources for that. If you want to go into the history, into the culture, great resources for that. It's my hope that along the way, we're going to hit some points of interest that are going to encourage you to want to dig deeper than we could do in our 35 minutes together. It's our prayer, and it's a sincere prayer that we'll all come away from this as we go into Daniel either for the first time or for the 400th time, that there'll be something that inspires us to go back and take another look or a first-time look at this absolutely amazing, powerful book. And it's amazing and powerful not just because it's an influential piece of literature, but because it's the living Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? The living Word of God. And there's a message for us. There's a message for us within its pages like this one. Here's a verse that we already looked at, or passage we already looked at. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings. He sets up kings. Again, this is a key theme in Daniel, that God is sovereign over history. Some have called history his story. Well, in a couple weeks, we're going to look at that episode where Ghostly Fingers wrote a message on the wall to a king. Take a look at this. Here's what the hand wrote to a king. The hand wrote, God has numbered the days of your kingdom. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. As I mentioned earlier, before you can get to chapter 7, you got the kingdom of Judah falling, kingdom of Babylon falling. Persians come to power, and there's a dream that predicts that their kingdom will come to an end. Not just their kingdom, but the kingdom that comes after their kingdom as well. And one of the things that, that's, that is just powerful in this book is that even as God is removing and setting up kings, God uses those kings' voices to testify that there's one true king whose kingdom will not end. Take a look at this. Here's what God ended up speaking through King Darius. So King Darius, he's king, right? Well, he wrote this decree to people of every known Nation and language in chapter 6, verse 26. I make a decree, said the quote king, that in my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of whom? Daniel. They're to tremble and fear not before me, before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. So it's not just Daniel that you find in Daniel prophesying about this king or testifying to this great king whose kingdom will have no end. God is actually using the very kings who are going to fall to testify to the king whose dominion will never fall. Well, a day came to pass when the Son of Man did come. Isn't that true? And when Jesus walked the earth, he said this. Take a look. Let's go back to Mark one last time. These are the words of Jesus. He said, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he said, repent and believe the gospel. Each week, as I prepare a message, I, I try to do several things. And one of the things I try to pray as best I can, say, God, what's the invitation this week? 
What's the win? What, 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 what do you want? How do you want people to respond? And this week, I think it was a threefold invitation as best I could discern it. One of, and there's a place to write these in your notes, and I think I got the actual number system right, believe it or not, on this one. Um, let's experience Daniel together. That would be one of them. I know this is a really busy time of the year, but I would encourage you as best you can to come and, and to, to experience these together. There might be some good conversations that come out of it. Number two, consider diving deeper. Don't let this be the only thing that you do with this book. It's way too rich, way too wonderful. But here's the one I want to spend just a tiny bit of time on before we close. And that's what Jesus said. That the time spoken of is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Earthly kingdoms are going to come and go, right? The kingdom that we're under now, it's going to pass. All kingdoms do. There's a timetable. We see that in Daniel. We might have time to take it on a little bit. It's cryptic, a lot of different interpretations on it. But here's what we do know. We do know that the Son of Man has been given authority and glory, and he is sovereign in power, and he's coming back. He came, and he's coming back. And his dominion will be an everlasting dominion. It's one that will not pass away. Can I get an amen on that? His kingdom won't pass away. Brexits or whatever they are, that's going to be a dot on the timeline. It's making big news headlines. Eventually, it's going to be a dot on the timeline. Trump and Hillary, they're going to be a dot on the timeline. The kings of Daniel, these empires, what are they now? They're a dot on the timeline. Who divided the timeline? Jesus of Nazareth. Whether you use AD, BC, or BCE, and CE, or whatever. Who divided the timeline? Jesus of Nazareth divided the timeline. And when he comes back, history as we know it is going to change. Which kingdom do you want to be a part of? Jesus says, repent and believe. There's a good king. He's a really good king. He's a king that is all about justice. He's a king that's all about love. And he's a king that one day is going to make all things right. And the way he makes all things right in part is by ensuring that those who would rebel against his kingship, those who would hurt his people, won't be in that kingdom. And so he's made a way for those of us who have rebelled, which is all of us, those who have hurt his people, which is all of us, He's made a way for us to have those sins forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can repent and believe. We can turn from saying, I'm following this kingdom, my own kingdom, the kingdoms of this world, and I'm going to choose to follow you. That's what repentance is. It's from turning, from going one way and turning towards God. So I would be engaging in pastoral malpractice if I didn't close the service without giving that invitation. And after we're done praying and we, we're, we're done here for today, I want to encourage you, if you'd like prayer about anything, there'll be people in the back corner that love to pray with you about anything. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we're so amazed that the God who can set up and remove kings would extend an invitation to us. But even as those words cross my lips, you've revealed yourself as more and king. You've also revealed yourself as father. Not just to the son of man, but to us. 
and you've made a way for us to become adopted as your sons and daughters. And thank you fall so short of a response to that. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us right now and, and open our hearts and minds and give us courage that we may respond to this invitation that you've just given us. To turn from all other earthly pursuits and to say, you're the king. And to come under your good kingship. To learn your ways of justice. To learn your ways of love. To as we wait for the time when you'll make all things right, to be used by you on a small scale to make things right. To extend forgiveness. To extend grace. To seek reconciliation. To do justice. To love mercy. To walk hum- humbly with our God. To give food to those who are hungry, to pick up some extra school supplies for kids that don't have them, to go to a city like Juarez um, and to do the best we can to shine your light there, to go to our schools, our places of employment, our teams, and to live a life of integrity. Lord, help us to see that what you've called us to is so good And even more importantly, to know that you are good. So Lord, may we commit to that end as we go forth from this place, to go forth under your kingship. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. I'm excited to get in this series. Have a great week.